If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. And we're going to get right into our cold open. Um, this week, reports earlier last week, uh, documented that the creators of Netflix's The Crown were approaching the season's filming with caution as they prepare to recreate the tragic death of Princess Diana for season five. Um, this season, of course, will concentrate on the unraveling of Princess Diana and Prince Charles' uh, marriage and leading up to the unfortunate death of Princess Diana in 1997. So given that this event was such a pivotal moment in history globally, um, is there a way to handle that with care on screen? I think so. Uh, I think moments like this are good. I mean, well, not good, but I think, you know, they are historical. I think you, you know, you have the right to tell those stories. But um, I think I guess the the ethical and kind way to do it is to not glorify the violence of, I guess, what she went through. To be honest about it, but not, you know, have this ridiculous mangled car wreck. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think you can handle it with care. And I think they've sort of, um, I mean, they've done this before with other projects and stuff like that. Uh, not necessarily this story, but there are ways to handle it with care. Um, just thinking back to a film about um, Princess Diana, uh, was it called Sawyer with Kristen Stewart? Uh, yes. Uh, hold on. I want to make sure. Is that what it was called? I, or maybe it wasn't. Spencer, her maiden name. Sorry, wrong guess. Uh, with Spencer, it's sort of kind of depicted the internal battle yes, yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there were some scenes that alluded to, you know, her um, alleged bulimia, eating disorder, and the other pressure she was experiencing coming into this family. But um, I thought it was necessary to sort of depict the mental state she was in at that time. So there, there is definitely a way to handle it with care. And we'll get more into that later with our present, future presentation. But um I, without watching any of the previous seasons, I'm definitely interested in this one because it's what I know most about the royal family. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that on screen and exactly what happened that led up to that unfortunate event. Right, right. I agree. Yeah. And before we get any further, let's get into what's news. <laughs> So this past week, a bunch of fans were upset because Marvel had announced a delay of their film slate for the future, um, starting with a Blade, the reboot star Mahershala Ali. Unfortunately, the director parted ways from the project. Uh, that was Basim Tariq. So now a Blade has been moved back uh, to November 3rd of 2020, from November 3rd of 2023 to a year later, September 6th of 2024. And it caused like a ripple effect. So uh, Deadpool 3 will be November 8th of 24. 
Fantastic Four, which was originally set for November 8th of 24, will be February 14th of 2025. There's an untitled Marvel film that's been pushed from that date to November 7th of 25. And then Avengers Secret Wars moves from the 7th to May 1st of 26. And another untitled film um, will be on May 1st, has just been removed from that date altogether. So everything basically shifted a year because of the stalling on Blade. Um, Also reported that I guess they were rewriting the script. So I guess there were some issues um, just in pre-production that they wanted to handle to make sure everything was, was done properly. And I yeah, had, I guess you oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I have no qualms with them delaying if, you know, it's not ready. Right. That's exactly what I was about to say is, you know, do it right. You know, don't <laughs> put something out that's not a finished product. So, yeah, I, I think that's good. Yeah. And I mean, we, we're going to get there eventually. Just enjoy the journey. Like, I kind of wish Marvel would step back a bit from all the announcements and just sort of go and just lead us there eventually. We'll see what happens. Um, And other news, kind of good news, sort of uh, related to our topic this week. Um, Prosecutors have dropped all charges against Adnan Saeed. Um, if you don't recognize that name, Saeed was a subject of the first uh, ep- well, first ser- season of Serial, which was a podcast back in the early 2010s, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, he was a young high school senior in 1999 when he was charged and convicted for the murder of his uh, ex-girlfriend in the Maryland area. And for years, he, you know, the announced that he was innocent, that he was wrongfully convicted, and his case became the subject of serial as uh, podcasters and friends and other legal experts examined his case, seeing that there was some reasonable doubt and some other issues with his his trial. So his uh, prison prison sentence was vacated temporarily uh, a few weeks prior to this, and then prosecutors eventually dropped all charges because it's apparent that he was falsely convicted so no that was that was crazy that development but yeah like you said that was maybe the first viral podcast where everybody's like oh you have to listen to this you just st- the story is crazy and i think i remember listening to that in like uh i had to have been in college or something i can't remember but i i remember listening to it and it was it, it was an insane story yeah and currently, I guess they're still going to investigate because right now it's not solved. But I remember listening to the first season of that. And from all the facts that were presented, it seemed like there were clearly other suspects right, um, right. connected to the unfortunate murder of, of Heyman Lee. Um, he was 19 when he went into prison and he's now 41 years old. Jesus. So, yes. Crazy. And then finally, Netflix has announced the launch date of their ad tier. Um, it will be called the basic tier for $7 a month. You can have Netflix with ads. Um, there'll be pre-roll during films and then uh, some ads in between series. Um, of course, 
there'll be an adjustment for everyone because Netflix for years sort of combated this idea of advertisements in their uh, content. But as competition has heft up, um, ad tiers is, are, are going to be supported by Disney this December. HBO Max is introducing it. Hulu's had it already. So they've got to keep up with the Joneses. Um, or would you be interested in getting this tier if once it becomes available next month? Um, maybe. I, I don't know. I have to see. Yeah. So it, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I mean I understand the ad tiers and the different levels and everything, but it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and they've explained that you know some uh, content will not be available on this right, right. basic tier. So um, the originals, of course, will have like pre roll. They don't expect to have uh, interruptions during films, uh, just a few during series, but. Uh, shows that they have to get licensing for that's right. a different story so not sure what that will look like um, for them uh, let's see here um, in the obits we unfortunately lost a legend of the stage and screen Angela Lansbury um, mostly known for her role as just a Fletcher for 11 seasons on Murder She Wrote passed away last week at the age of 96 and she would have turned 97 on the 16th wow. yeah she was five days shy of her birthday um of a, a career that spans 70 years yeah which is wild she, very first role was in the film gaslight gaslight and she yeah. she earned a Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. First role at the gate at the age of 19. So she was wonderful yeah, at the craft. Yeah, she was, she was incredible. I remember her, um, obviously, from uh, Murder, She Wrote, but the original Manchurian Candidate um, yes. that came out in, like, the I think the 50s or 60s. Is, uh, it's incredible. The new one is good, but that one is just tense. And it has, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Little skinny singer, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I cannot feel like I can hear his name. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, she was truly, truly talented. Yes, and that was actually her third Oscar nominated role. Um, she had uh, Gaslight, um, something in between there, and then Manchurian Candidate. And after that, she said Hollywood sort of like wasn't giving her any meat, so that's when she transferred to theater. And she sort of blossomed on stage. Um, she earned four Tonys um, and a Lifetime Achievement Tony Award for her stage uh, work. And then, of course, which she never thought she'd do, she ended up doing TV after a few television movies. And in 83, she scored the role of Jessica Fletcher. And for 11 seasons, she was nominated for Best Actress in a Drama Series and never won. Wow. Um, the show itself only won like two Emmys out of like 41 nominations altogether. And she eventually won an honorary Oscar and an honorary Emmy, but she'd never won one right out. So it's it's incredible. We we talk about how people aren't given just due, and literally she was not, but 
nonetheless, I wonder amazing career. I wonder how long that show has been syndicated because I swear I've been seeing uh much we call it uh murder she wrote rerun since like I was born. So yeah, it wrapped in '96. So yeah. I'm sure it hit the hundred episode mark. Way before it was a total of 264 episodes and four TV movies. Wow. So, yeah. And it, it scored in the top 13 of the Nielsen ratings for the first 11 seasons. And then that 12th season, they shifted it from Sundays to Thursday. And that's where it died <laughs> on prime time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, such a legendary actress. Um, I also loved her in. Bed knobs and broomsticks, one of my favorite Disney movies, harshly yeah. rated. Um, but yeah, just a wonderful, wonderful uh woman, and she will be missed. Yeah. All right, that takes care of our what's news. Let's get into our feature presentation of the week. All right, so uh, as we spoke prior to this, um, speaking of, you know, <clears throat> whether, you know, cre recreating the the death of Princess Diana on TV could be done tastefully, we're sort of deconstructing the very good but equally harmful obsession with true crime in the media today. Right. Um, now, it's not like true crime is anything new. We've had, you know, Maver TV movies, you've had sort of um, sensationalized trials in the news, but this true crime sort of um, obsession spanning all mediums is is definitely brand new, especially when you think of podcasts, um, sort of like the, the current um, excess of true crime in television and movies it's on another level absolutely yeah and uh i can understand the obsession i think there's a the there's like a morbid obsession where people are like oh wow you know this happens there's you've i've read some things where a lot of true crime fans are women and like mm -hmm. there's different reasons behind that some of them are just interested in it then there's some of them are kind of a, a sense of you know well this could happen to me even though this is something you wouldn't want to happen they still listen to it but um but yeah you it's easy to understand how something like that could grow so popular you know that's not a mystery at all <laughs> right right and i think it took it definitely took a hold in the 80s and 90s because this idea of crime, I think, really didn't strike until maybe the 70s where you had sort of like the rise of the quote-unquote serial killer um, and profiles and where police sort of had to adjust because there was like this new threat countrywide, nationwide. Right. Right. Um, in the 80s, you get television shows like Hill Street Blues and sort of like the crime procedurals. And then the 80s, you get things like Unsolved Mysteries and to the 90s, Rescue 911. And then we graduate to Deadline. And 
sort of like there's the genre there but it was mainly for television but as soon as you know the internet sort of maximized what was already there um and we now have right we have it everywhere um and there's always got to be that thin line between you know being tastefully done and just sort of like exploiting the family yes exploiting the family exploiting the victims um which i mean i think you could almost pinpoint that to the oj trial how oh yeah that sort of single singular singular story in time sort of spawned you know 24 7 news coverage and you know hypothesis and commentary just constant um it definitely changed the way we approach crime so um I, i think there is some good that comes with that definitely in recent years with you know like we said the launching the podcast and sort of the citizen sleuth um i think a good part of you know the true crime genre is you know the the part that brings justice to like a cold case or awareness um to something that right. may right. may go unnoticed so we mentioned you know the case of Adnan Saeed um you know without that serial podcast he would still be in jail absolutely um then we have I'll be gone in the dark um yes which yes. was you know a podcast and a book and just sort of like a movement um that sort of finally captured a long um lost serial killer uh from the 70s and 80s and sort of shows the 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 power that true crime has the good the good power it has yeah um and then oh go ahead say that was that one was incredible because that was um that that whole show was was nuts for one but uh just her story and how she got into true crime was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I especially loved. Uh, we're speaking of Michelle McNamara, right, who was right. the Michelle author McNamara. and sort of like the originator of the documentary. Right. Um, how she infused her own story with trauma into into that that uh that series, and it's it right. spoke to a greater issue that women unfortunately experience uh, Mm -hmm. in this country and i think why they tend to be sort of the 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 target audience for true crime because unfortunately they are victims um more likely um you also get you know somewhat good television like not not everything's great but Every once in a while, something good comes along, like, you know, American Crime Story. Um, those first two seasons, uh, uh, American Crime Story, The State versus O.J. Simpson, and then right. The Assassination of Gianni Versace, they were done very well, um, for the most part. And, right. yeah. and I think good true crime also sort of educates and sort of um lets people know what to look out for for themselves um so we can repeat the same same thing again 
Um, but you know, with the good, you get the bad. You get the sens sens I can't talk. Sensationalized stories. <laughs> yes, thank you. You get that. You you have the harm to victims' families. Um, the trauma for capital gain. Um, and you make these suspects idols. You make these killers right. prop them up. Um, to be deities to unfortunately others. So, <clears throat> the biggest recent example, of course, is Jeffrey Dahmer and the Netflix series from Ryan Murphy again. Um, while a lot of people were saying that you know the series was good, you know, good performances and was able to sort of spotlight the victims in a different light than we had seen before. Again, it was another series, sort of beholding this white terror um, who was able to right. kill so long because of the victims he was choosing and sort of the systemic racism in our country. Yeah. And it seems like every generation goes through an obsession with these people. You get Charles Manson, you get Jeffrey Dahmer, you get um, Gacy, you know, and, and these people. Mm -hmm. are, and it's just... Uh, I mean, some of it is youth, but some of it is also just we won't let these stories die. Like, just yeah. let them go. Jeffrey Dahmer, I mean, and and the stories of the people that were killed, I think, should be told and their lives should be remembered. But, like, these things happened 30-plus years ago. It's like, come on. You know, let these stop mining for shit in this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think if, honestly, if there was, if you want to do this project, just highlighting the victim, yeah. you know, their exactly. life prior to their unfortunate end would have been something totally different. Exactly. Uh, and maybe you would have worked with the families to where it could be a tribute to the lives and not, you know, sort of the, not just what they became at the hands of this monster, unfortunately. Um, also, I think one, one of the greatest examples of the bad is the JonBenet Ramsey case. Um, that happening so soon after OJ, yeah. again, sort of developed this sort of true crime obsession. Um, it had, unfortunately, all the ingredients for something you just could not get enough of. Uh, exactly. A young victim in, you know, suburban America where they think everyone is safe and you know her life is stolen and the suspicion of the family the yeah yeah it's just not the case like it each each of these crimes will crack the facade of you know it, exactly. it can't happen here um and fortunately that case took took another life um just yeah. because of all the the alleged suspicion upon the family and that the suspect was never found. And even that that other Netflix show, that weird. Yeah, that one was strange, yeah. I, I just didn't get what that was about. Yeah. And, and what's nuts about this one is that you can still go to Walmart, you could go to Meyer or whatever grocery store you may go to and see her on the cover of these magazines. And it's yeah. just like, are you kidding me? Like, exactly. All these years, let her rest in peace, man. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. And actually, even before John Bonet, you had um, Hulu that series called Captive. Um, 
audience about yeah, Steven yeah. Stainer. And that's a perfect yeah. example of how even before this, even before the present time, like sort of how the media and the public take true crime and sort of bastardize it for capital gain because you had a young man who was unfortunately kidnapped, fortunately found and rescued and returned to his family, but everything after that was just excess from the media the tv right, movie right. the interviews you know his unfortunate early death so totally uh unrelated and how that how his trauma and the treatment of his family and them not knowing exactly how to heal in the public eye leads to you know his brother becoming a serial killer years later just yeah it, it's it's wild just we don't understand how truly i don't know what to say the media is a great tool but we still don't understand how it affects the human psyche yeah psyche i think the worst arm of the media is social media when the most recent case is when the woman in Memphis went missing, Eliza Fletcher, and it turned out that she had been abducted and killed. Mm -hmm. The shit that came out about her life and what happened and people digging for this sort of information and people, and then, you know, like authorities having to come out and say, this isn't what happened. You know, just, it's just so dangerous. So many people just obsess over this stuff and just, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> and then of course, just last year or within the last few years, the Gabby Petito uh, yeah. case where, you know, again, social media, like she's an influencer. Her life is to display this perfect frame of her experience. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, we know everyone's not perfect. And the part we needed to know was hidden and, and it led to her demise. Um right. And, and in the same way, again, Citizen Sleuth, social media sort of became her her saving grace in solving yeah, yeah. solving what happened. Um, but no sooner than she was laid to rest, Lifetime had a, a TV movie about it. And it's like, yeah. what is there to and talk about? It, it, it's already, it may have aired last week or it airs this week or something. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And it's like what we don't need to see. No, that happen. That fictionalized, you know. I just I feel so strongly about when people die in traumatic ways that you know just please let them rest. Why are you trying to? Mm -hmm. Don't do that to their memory. You're not doing anything but going after the dollars. You know, like that's. I exactly. think that's so disrespectful. Yeah, and it's it's definitely part of the desensitization of violence in our country. Oh, yeah. Like right. we're so used to gun violence and violence against women and violence against children and underrepresented mm -hmm. communities that it doesn't phase us when it happens in real life and when it's depicted 
for entertainment. We eat it up. Right. It's we're too hip. It's is very strange. And a like, perfect like, example. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say is that you know even what we're talking about right now is, is like you said is women getting murdered, them getting killed, and all these other things. It, this is somebody's hobby. Like what? Mm -hmm. Like why is this your hobby? Like that's so disturbing. Yeah, and I mean, there's some people that do it with care pockets right, right. out there that are trying to improve upon society, and it's unfortunate. I don't know what you call it, just unfortunate reign of violence in our country. And then there's those that are doing it for for capital gain for profit. Because um, even just this past week, there's a story about. Um, a woman who escapes a serial killer in Kansas City. And yeah, she was in the, you're right, right. I saw that. Yeah. For months, Black women in this community were telling police that someone is killing our friends, our sisters, our neighbors. And the police called their claims unfounded until this woman yeah. was rescued by a neighbor when the alleged suspect took his son to school. Right. And it's like, yeah. If if we're going to be obsessed with true obsessed with true crime, we also have to raise all victims to the same level. Because again, with our obsession, we're usually focused on you know the white missing white woman syndrome. Right. Exactly. And we we it, yeah. That that's a good case. That's a good thing you're saying because the whole situation. Um, I want to say in Stockton, California, where they had the serial killer out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, this guy was killing, I think, Latino men. And it, I'm not sure if that was just because of the area or if that was his choice of demographic to go after. But um, it really didn't make a whole lot of noise outside of mm -hmm. you know, that area. I, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that not only do we... We know crime happens, but unfortunately, it happens to women a lot more often. Mm -hmm. And then because of our society, we have these systems and biases to where those most vulnerable are ignored. So you're putting, you know, a slap in the face of those traumatized already. Right, exactly. So we definitely need to make sure you know, if if you're wielding, you know, this genre of true crime in your content, you've got to make sure you're you're sort of holding society accountable for not only the obsession, but to make it for good to to change society. I think exactly. like you, your art has yeah. to to challenge the status quo. Right, and it's. I mean, I don't know how you gain people back. How we get them. Our world is so far gone in terms of violence that, you know, how do you bring your, how do you bring people back to like a level of, of caring again? <laughs> yeah, mere compassion. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely I'm definitely a fan of true crime, but mm -hmm. sometimes you just got to be able to, to walk away from it and know when enough exactly. is enough. Yeah. Welcome back. We're going to get we're going to get to our streams of the week for the past week. 
Um, I heard <clears throat> a review for this series on Netflix. I've never watched, but hearing the review on the podcast I listened to, I'm definitely interested. So tell us about this new season of Somebody Feed Phil. Okay, so Somebody Feed Phil, uh, hold on a second. Let me find his full name because he's been in television for like a while. But um, oh God. his name is Philip uh, Rosenthal. And so what he does is just like any other show, he kind of goes around the country and he'll go to international destinations and he will um, try food. And so it's it's really good. I think this is the fourth season, fourth or fifth season. I can't remember. I, I've watched all of them, but um, it's it's so fun. He's kind of funny guy, quirky, lighthearted. And he, uh, oh, the season six, my bad. And he always, um, uh, you know, no, he the other seasons he would talk to his parents and stuff and uh yeah it's just it's really good it's kind of lighthearted stuff and um he he was oh what do you write what do you write he, he created everybody loves raymond so oh, okay. behind that yeah and uh that was the big thing kind of like how he was in television shows and he's 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 been in other stuff but um yeah and this season he went to I want to say he went, I know he went to Portland. He went to Maine, uh, somewhere down in Mexico, but the food is good. And then, you know, he always kind of, he focuses on the story behind the people making the food as well. I think that's, what's mm -hmm. really kind of interesting. So um, yeah, it's really lighthearted and, and really fun. So. Okay. I'll definitely check it out. Try to, for something like just in the mornings when I'm getting together, I could definitely let that, that play and yes. just watch. And my suggestion time you. Oh, I'm gonna say my suggestion to my parents because they sit and watch Andrew Zimmerman like for days. Oh yeah, they they would love this because my mom was into it for a while, um, a few years ago, and I think that was the episodes are just an hour or so, and it really is kind of amazing, like just the dishes, and they'd be like, "Wow, you'll you'll definitely be hungry." So okay. <laughs> I'll definitely add that to my list, try to get back into my Netflix groove there. All right, over at HBO, we have the penultimate episode, episode nine of House of the Dragon, entitled The Green Council. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, uh, the perfect type of episode to build up for what's coming next. It was, uh, it was good. I, I saw one review where it said like, oh, it was another nothing episode. I was like, bitch, like there's this is not a nothing episode. You gotta yeah. there's so, so much, much exactly there's, there's so much happening. There's there's a lot happening, but I it was a lot happening in a quiet way. I think that's the best way to describe it. It wasn't the killings and uh, what we're used to, but um you know, pieces are being moved to set up for next week. And I really enjoyed this kind of the chase after Aegon and uh, we see how the families are splitting and who's going to go where. And uh, yeah, it, it's getting nuts. And I think I was on Twitter just, you know, it wasn't really a funny scene, but the whole shit with Lord Laris, that was, that was nuts. I did not <laughs> expect that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what? Yeah, I tweeted, she and King's Landing showing feet. Yes, man, it was nuts. I was like, why? Like, hold on a second. I saw somebody tweet that how she get those Wilson socks, and I was like, oh, shit. 
I I figured there was some type of agreement with them, but I didn't know. I think she was going to have sex with him, but it's clear that he has a fetish. Um, And girl, like, stand up. Like, get it together. Yeah. Like, you're doing the most. This is, it's embarrassing. (laughs) So this episode, basically, we were in the wake of King Viserys' death. And in his last breath, he's speaking of the dream of the song of ice and fire. And Allison alludes to thinking that when he says Aegon is king, she, she thinks he meant their son Aegon, but he was speaking of Aegon the first and his dream. And she goes about to organize the coronation for Aegon to be king and upsurp Rhaenyra as uh, the heir to the throne. Right. So yes, it was very definitely a methodical episode, a lot of discussions, moving parts, a few deaths here and there, RIP to that man of the court. Um Kristen Cole needs to die. Oh yeah. He he's annoying. He's a simp. Uh yes. I saw something uh it was another tweet that said that he and Laris were gonna have an incel off by the end of this season. Oh, definitely. Like, uh, they're just the worst of the worst. He's so annoying. Still mad that I, I like. He was a whore. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I do like how we. It seems like this kingdom is never ending. You know, we now we we know about the part where the street where they do like the prostitutes and everything, but mm-hmm. this other part that's even deeper in the depths of depravity. Um, with the children fighting. I was like, what the hell? Like, yes, that was insane. And the yeah. fact that Aegon gets off on that, he's a sociopath. Yeah, he's not somebody I think you want leading your kingdom. Yeah, he's not right in the mind. And they also acknowledge that he has several children throughout right. the bottom. Like, that's his, his hobby, is to impregnate and probably yeah. white women who did not consent to his advances. So, yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, I did enjoy seeing Masseria again because I thought, like, how she's got to come back somehow. Right, right. Because I figured we would see a lot more of her in general. Um, I appreciate that. And then um, the finale there, the last scene, um mm-hmm. Helena, you got listen to your daughter, girl. She told you, beware the beast on the boards. And sure enough, once Princess Renice was able to evade a potential kidnapping, she escapes with her dragon basically destroying the floor. <laughs> yeah. Of where they were, I guess the septum, wherever, as a warning that this means war. Because she was like, you know, you could take your dragon and stay here and, you know, Renera won't come and attack us if you do that. But if you join her, then, you know, and she made her choice. She was like, because mm-hmm. she knows what's right. Viserys never but on Renera being the heir. So, uh, yes, next week will be the season finale of The House of the Dragon. Um, there will be a season two 
And George R.R. R. Martin recently said he believes four seasons will completely tell this story. So hopefully that's what they get and no more than that. Yeah, I like that, though, when they come out with like a definitive number, like we're not going to try to do, um, you know, eight seasons or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four is almost like perfect. Four or five. All righty. Staying within the fantasy realm, more fantastical. We have the season finale of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it was amazing finishing and an awesome setup for the second season. Um, you had some reveals that I didn't see coming because I'm not familiar with the lore. Um, but you definitely had some reveals, some setups for next season. Our characters are sort of at a crossroads. Uh, new alliances were made. And it, it's it's amazing series. It did get a little slow midway, episode four and five. Um, but they're doing a lot of sort of character building and stuff like that. But six right, to eight, right. amazing. Action-packed, suspenseful. Um, Amazon spent the money for this series. It looks expensive. Right. It doesn't have any gaffes like a Starbucks cup in the corner like <laughs> it's top notch dollar they spent that billion whatever well so definitely check it out if you haven't um if you haven't yeah it's on prime all right we'll get into our no concessions uh oh, we got the who's the what Oh, no, never mind. Never mind. You're good. You're good. Okay. Uh, we're going to get into a film we both saw um, before we get into our individual things. But uh, we this weekend decided, since we had started the trilogy back in 2018, we're going to finish the trilogy of uh, Halloween with Halloween End, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and from director David Gordon Green, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'll just give you give your initial thoughts. Uh, disappointed, uh, disappointed for a couple of reasons. I, are we doing spoilers or how are we doing this? Um, we'll start with initial thoughts, then we can get into spoilers. Okay. Uh, initial thoughts, and I said it a few times in the movie. I said it a few times when we got home. I the first. 30 to 40 minutes, I was like, what are we watching? And uh, so much of the last 15 minutes of the films felt undeserved. Like we were, it didn't seem like, no, there were there were so many things that didn't connect. And um, yeah, I think a different storyline would have made for a better finish to this, um, this saga, but Overall, if I had to give it out of five, I'd give it like two stars out of five. It just wasn't, it wasn't what you want from the Halloween franchise. Right, I agree. Um, given that the first one in 2018 set up so much potential as like a sequel from the 1970s mm -hmm. original, right. I was expecting just, you know, 
it to to in, increase on itself, improve on, upon itself. And you know, Halloween Kills unfortunately was a mixed bag. They tended to veer more to the gore than the actual story there. Um, sure. And then with Halloween Ends, like you said, the first forty minutes felt like a completely different movie. Which I mean, fine, make that movie somewhere else. But right, we were exactly. to see the end of Halloween, and it was more like two different past converging for a anticlimactic ending it just right. Absolutely. yeah um so basically in the spoilers we'll give a quick synopsis of the story um this is four years after the events of halloween kills um and jamie lee curtis's laurie Strode is sort of like embracing life no longer living in fear um her, she's living with her granddaughter. Um, they're still in Haddonfield. And, you know, the boogeyman Michael Myers hasn't yeah. been seen in four years. So we're introduced to a new character named Corey. Oh, what was his like? What was his last name? Colin. Oh, I can't remember. Some I just remember his first name. Yeah. Corey something. Yeah. And uh, we are introducing through a flashback where he was babysitting a neighborhood boy, Corey Cunningham. Yeah. He was babysitting a young boy. And unfortunately, after like a Halloween prank, he accidentally kills the child. I guess he got off on some type of manslaughter. Yeah. Lesser charge because he was no longer in jail. Uh, once you jump back to the present and for yeah that first 40 minutes we're concentrating on him and his trauma as being looked at as a murderer and how he you know he was a promising engineer student yeah who just wound up working on cars and he's living with his mother who she they didn't really develop her character very much no. um just the only thing we got about her is that she seems super overprotective. Right. Overprotective, overbearing. Yeah. The conservative somewhat. Um, and we follow him as he crossed paths with Allison, who is Lori's granddaughter, played by Andy Matichek. Yeah. And because of the darkness that they both have experienced as children, they fall in love. And that darkness seems to take over them as Corey, um, did he accidentally kill someone? I think the first killing is when he, what's he do? I think he like flips out or something. Yeah, because I think those kids were chasing him. High schoolers. You are a yeah. literal adult being right. bullied by four high schoolers, which didn't make any sense. Um, they chase him, call him names because of his past. And he winds up, I think he accidentally stabbed that old man. Yes, that's, I think he, he kills the guy down by the sewer first. Yeah. Right. And that 
could be self-defense because the man did come yeah. with him with a knife. They struggled. He stabbed. He dies. But it sparked something in him. And it also led him to, ta-da, find Michael Myers, who's been allegedly living in the sewer for four years. Like, what? Makes no sense. <laughs> and I mean, like, we've been told, you know, he's not a man. He's pure evil. I guess he doesn't live off of food. He sort of gets his strength by murdering. But that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And no one would see uh, him. And they've kind of always alluded to Michael having, uh, I wouldn't say magic powers, but something about him being otherworldly. Obviously, he survived being killed, shot, and set on fire. But mm. this whole thing where he like transferred his hatred or his power to Corey was kind of something new, which I thought maybe they could have kept with that, but you know. Yeah, that was a bit of a reach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he stumbles upon Michael's hiding place, and instead of Michael killing him, I guess because he saw the darkness in his eyes, the alleged yeah. evil, he spares him, and then you you kind of see Corey's descend, descend into darkness, and if Jamie could see it. I don't understand why her granddaughter couldn't like I, I just needed more concept of the time span like how long they were courting because it seemed like overnight yeah yeah it, yeah I don't know it was very it was a it was a long build up and somehow still way too fast <laughs> yeah yeah so near the end of the film Michael is resurrected via Corey's sudden obsession with letting the evil out, letting it take over since it was always in him. He's killing left and right or watches Michael kill and wants to learn from him like some dark apprentice to the point where he wants to wear the mask or whatever. And because Lori tells her granddaughter, you don't need to be with him. He, he's, I see the evil in him. He comes after Lori next. Yeah. And it, it was just not what I was expecting at all. Right. And especially, you know, for it to be, well, at least called the end, you know, that's, you never know the case when it comes to. Right to this franchise but yeah that was I don't know it definitely ended on a sort of sour note like right. all the build up and you know the battle in the trailer is literally 10 minutes of the movie yeah and, and I'm sorry this is super spoiler but how do you kill Michael What's the point of the franchise? Nobody's a fan of Laurie Strode, nigga. <laughs> you know, they don't sell t-shirts with her on it. Like, I don't know. There's no Laurie Strode masks, okay? No, like, it's so, like, okay. Yeah, it was very strange. And I'm yeah. just now, remember when I was saying, like, the doctor, I kept saying, like, where do I know him from? Yeah. He was in Guiding Lights. 
So I recognize his face. He's, of course, older now, but he was in that cell for a long time. That's why I kept saying, I know this guy. And, of course, he was a skis. But, yeah, yeah just from the story to some of the supporting characters, lack of development. Like, why was Kyle Richards back and she didn't do anything? Nothing. Right. Yeah, nothing. And then we got the... he died this time or something. <laughs> and then that scene where the uh, they're in the bar and the mother having the same outfit or whatever. That was so weird. It's like, did y'all has she been in this bar since that day? Has she not right. left? Yeah, there's just too much, man. And I, I really could not get over th this man being punked by four random high schoolers, like yeah, constantly, uh, and, and and not just like. And you know, no sex and whatever, but two of them were teenage girls who we clearly could overpower. And then right. the two guys were much, much smaller than him. It's like this, they like, were band geeks. It made no yes. sense. Like if if you had had him going to like a community college and he was being bullied by like fellow college students, like that would make sense. But like these folks that he graduated years before. Right, are bullying him, and if and the the thing was like them calling him a psycho, knowing he killed this boy, and they're not scared that he would do the same thing to them. Yeah, it yeah, it made no sense. It was, I thought some of the kills were good though. There were some good kills. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, once the killing started. Once the killing yeah. started, it was good. I thought, you know, the the death of the doctor and the assistant was good. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, the radio DJ, that was racist as hell. Like, <laughs> that character was plucked from a 1970s black exploitation film. Right, right. He was so annoying. It and was the way he talked. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what is this? And what and why was he threaded through the entire movie? Yeah, just to die or. And I were kind of, kind of upset we only got the black sheriff literally the last two minutes of the movie. Yeah, it was I, all over the place and not good. Yeah, definitely two one and a half out of five. It just. Yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, it, it, very, it very much seemed like they just wanted to get it over with as soon as they could. Yeah, which was unfortunate because I really thought I thought this one would be better than the second one because the second one just seemed to, to lose traction after the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I'm sorry, last thing there was a lot that was bad about this. But the whole putting him on top of the car and putting him in the wood chipper or whatever, like what? That was so extra. It was so hokey. And then she stood up there like, you know, I was like, okay, what, what if I started to watch? Like, Yeah, it was very, I guess it went back to that mob mentality of the, of the second one, but yeah. 
it was just weird. I was like, so is she not, how does she not fall in throwing him in? Yeah. I, I was just confused. It was weird. Yeah, not good. Yeah. So that was Halloween End. If you don't want to pay for it, it's on Peacock for the free. Watch at your own peril. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else were we watched on TV this past week? Okay, I've got a couple things here. Uh, this is this is searching for Italy, and this is a show with uh, Stanley Tucci when he goes back to um, Italy and tries the food and all the different regions. And it, it's so good. There's so many things that are that are good about it. The Stanley Tucci is a great host because he's just like naturally cool. Um, one, he speaks Italian, which is awesome. Yeah, the food looks good. The scenery is always nice. And I think this is the f first season where COVID restrictions weren't really in place. So there's a little bit more going on. But this first episode of this new season, he takes his parents, who are, um, you know, the children of Italian immigrants, back to Italy, kind of to the area where they, uh, their family would have been. And um, it was really interesting. They kind of ate in the places where they may have eaten some of the local food. But what was interesting is that he said that a lot of the people in the area where he lived had the last name Tucci. So it was, it was hard to know who wasn't and who was related to him it's just a common name for that area but oh, wow. um, yeah it was really it was really good um and then i watched the movie x and this is the horror movie about the people that are um it's by ty west and it stars kid cuddy britney snow jenny or jenna ortega mia goth and they go back they go to texas to kind of shoot a porno in this abandoned place and then um some murderous shit happens but um i was trying to watch it to kind of understand the other things and when you watch it you understand um you get a little bit of idea of the two other films that are part of this trilogy because ty west has made all three of these films in the span of the year and pearl that just came out a few like a month or so ago um is about the older woman who is killing the people in x and then Maxine is a main character in X who goes on to be a big porn star. And that comes out, if I'm not mistaken, in November. But focus on this one. It's, it was really good. Kind of like a throwback to slasher films like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I enjoyed that. And then lastly, uh, it is playoff time for baseball. I am not the biggest baseball fan, but I, have, I, will, I will fight I, I would I would argue that baseball playoffs are some of the best playoffs. They're in my opinion, they're better than NBA because NBA playoffs are way too long. Because uh, I I would agree because I I don't watch any baseball until October. Exactly. Yep. Because the Man. games are they're addicting. Like they're they're intense. I, yeah, they're intense, and you're right. They don't go on forever. They're like, yeah, to win it and keep it going. Right. And, you know, and baseball is such an interesting sport because in, in basketball, in basketball, if you get, let's say, uh, the Celtics playing the Hornets in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics are going to sweep the Hornets. Right. But you can get the Padres and the Dodgers, like, they played in the last round. Everybody was like, Dodgers are going back to the finals. Padres made light work of them. And it's just nuts. It's just the momentum's different in baseball. But um, 
man, it's been exciting. Some really, really good games. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Yankees play tonight. So, All right, all right. Yeah. All right, on my side, I watched the movie Sunday. I'm going to try to watch more movies on Sunday afternoon because it's easy and I have all these streaming services. I've got to utilize them somehow. So... <laughs> Um, over on Stars, right, the right. movie that came out this year called The Devil You Know by director Charles Murray. And it starred Omar Epps, uh, Michael Ely, Will Catlett, Theo Rossi, Glenn Turman, Vanessa Bell Calloway. And it's about a family living in Los Angeles. Um, Epps plays an uh, ex-convict who ex-convict and alcoholic who's sort of like on the men's um he's gotten a new job and he's sort of trying to you know go on this new path and there's a horrific horrific crime that occurs where a mother and father are murdered and their son is badly beaten into a coma and omar um's character believes that his uh younger brother uh, Drew is somehow connected to it and it just sort of examines you know the links you'll go to protect your family especially when you're looked at as a black sheep um, right it, it was pretty good I had seen previews for it before and you know you kind of think all oh, this run the mill black film out of nowhere but it, it was really good um, the cast right. is good um and Will Catlett, um, he's good in everything that he's in. Yes. An amazing yeah. actor. Um, but yeah, it's no longer it was like 116 minutes. So you can get right through it within an hour and a few minutes. Um, definitely some good performances from Catlett, Epps. Um, I enjoyed it. That's good. I'm with you on the watching the movies. I try to watch. Oh, uh, like maybe every try to get like three movies in throughout the week because you know it gets to about eight o'clock and I'm like now that it's dark at like seven thirty it's like you know maybe I'll just watch a movie till I go to sleep but I want to try to start going to the theater more I just wish I lived closer to it. yeah that's true it'd be a grip to get there over there <laughs> right. and and I have to agree like as much as I like TV like. At a certain point of the night, it's like you don't want to sit an hour just to right. be like, damn, there's like three more episodes. Well, with a film, you're like, oh, that was nice, concise, and it's done. So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So for the past week, what are your, your best picks for the pick six? Um, I would say from the list I have, I would put House of the Dragon number one. Um, somebody feeds Phil would be number two, and then Dark Horse. I, I'm gonna put the baseball games I've watched because it has reminded me why I like sports so much. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I'll follow with House of the Dragons number one. Um, I'll sl slide in Lord of the Rings as number two, and the W know is definitely number three. I was surprised at how how well it was written. So yeah. All right, before we have here, let's get to what we're streaming for the weekend. Uh, with Netflix, we both have this on our lists on the 18th, which is tomorrow. Um, mm -hmm. 
would have been Tuesday. So yesterday, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, Netflix right. uh, premieres its volume three of Unsolved Mysteries. And we're only getting like, we're getting this in like short bits, not a bingeable uh, yeah. amount. So I think we'll get the first three episodes, something like that. Yeah, three or four. I can't remember. But from what I've read, and I didn't read so much into the cases, I read a review where uh, it was on Collider. They gave this season an A minus, saying this, it gets back to the reason why so many people love the original Untold Unsolved Mysteries. So I'm excited. Right, because that first volume was definitely reminiscent of the original. The second one sort of detoured with some of the stories again, like sci-fi mysterious happenings and not, again, the true crime that people kind of come for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now over at HBO, I forgot this was coming. I didn't watch the first one, but we have The Vow Season 2. What is What else is there yes. about? <laughs> That, well, that's what I was thinking. And this goes into the court case. So oh, okay. um, this, for those who don't know, the vow is about the cult that is NXVM and it's pronounced Nexium. And uh, this is a cult that had like some, I don't know if they're high profile uh, celebrities, but they were known people and uh, they got busted maybe 2020 2001 but anyways this talks about the court case um keith rainier and him going to prison where the money came from for this cult and just delves deeper into this strange strange world so uh, yeah. once again goes back to true crime but see i feel this is different i feel this is different than other true crime <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm um and then finally i'm i i'll probably regret it but <laughs> this week on the 19th we get the premiere of season 11 of american horror story yeah, saw, yeah. uh which is subtitled nyc um all we know is the cast and sort of the setting there was never a proper trailer release just that you know 40 second teaser um, this is another season from Ryan Murphy, where set in the 1970s in New York, uh, again, amongst, I guess, the horrific seasons of serial killers, we're concentrating on members of the LGBTQ community and, I guess, their experience through this time. I don't know what else there is about it. Yeah, yeah know about as much as i do that's all i've read so um but it has you know sort of like the the regulars for this cast we've got um zachary quinto a newcomer and russell tovey mm -hmm. uh the mainstay dennis o'hare is there um patty lapone returns we have joe mantello who is debuting this season. Uh, the return of Leslie Grossman, who I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Billy Lord is back. We've got Sandra Bernhard, who's debuting this season. Well, she was in Apocalypse. I don't remember her in that season, but she's here. Uh, Charlie Carver, who was also in Murphy's Ratched. 
Uh, we have mm. Isaac Powell, who was in that Death Valley portion, a double feature, which I did not watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Dayon, Dion, she was also in Death Valley. Cal Penn makes his AHS debut. Mm. Uh, Kyle Beltran is a new actor here. And then uh, Sis, who I believe is a trans actress, uh, will make their debut. A Broadway actress. So yeah. definitely sort of like some of the same with some of the new, but still the yeah. whole premise very much still under wraps. So yeah. I'm sure it will be interesting. Yes. I do know that each week we'll get two episodes. Oh, okay. Wow. So it'll be two hours each week. I don't know if I can handle all that, but we will see. Yeah, definitely not. That must mean it's going to be a short season. Yeah, they're trying to speed through it. And then Friday, I guess I'm going to go see Black Adam. Yeah. Um, when we saw that trailer, I was not moved. Like, I enjoyed the first, like, official trailer. Um, but since then, I mean, they haven't shown much else to sort of, like, I guess, keep things under wraps. But I'm also scared, okay, is this all there is? Like, yeah. Because I don't know much about this character other than him in the Injustice uh, fighting games, video game. Right, right. Um, but basically, Dewan Johnson's playing Black Adam, who was like an ancient man who, after the murder of his son, sort of became a deity of, of sorts. And he's awakened somehow and wants to enact revenge against the world. Um, but he'll be set at cross, crossroads when he meets, you know, the Justice Society. And I guess some other evil has to arise to sort of tip the balance there. Um also stars Alice Hodge, Pierce Brosnan, um, the one chick from the first season of City on the Hill. What was her name? She played the other cop. Shoot. She's in it. I can't think of her name right now. Um, yeah. And it's the only DC film of the year given the alleged drama at, at Warner Bros. Discovery saying they don't have enough money to do the other films. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we'll be streaming for the weekend. We thank you for listening again to this episode of A Stream of Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren, and we hope to hear you're here with us next week. Until then, keep on streaming. Peace.